peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to another weekly episode of the Softly Performance Podcast. For those of you who have been with us for a hot minute, recognize that sound. And yes, that is that is the sound of the singing bowl. <laughs> oh, An oldie but a goodie from a long time ago, but nonetheless has become a favorite sound for many of the hippies that we have here, um, some newer to the hippie culture than others. But today we are going to talk about yoga, and we are going to talk about the aspects of regeneration, regeneration phases and training, how to bring yourself back and ready and capable of doing all the things that you want to do, whether that is in the gym or whether that is outside of the gym. So for me, I guess I'll go ahead and everyone's looking at me. So I will go ahead and continue down why we're talking about this. So I have started my official yoga teacher training to become a certified yoga teacher. So, and admittedly, when I I, I had been a practitioner um, of yoga, but arguably the yoga and the reasons for me walking in the door practicing yoga, uh, stretching out my hamstrings, getting a good little sweat in a you know really hot room, uh, the people, the women, you know, wearing the Lululemon with them. I mean, oh, they were all nice. Please save us. They're just nice. stop talking while you're ahead. <laughs> they're they're nice to look at. But anyways, ultimately, I I had missed a large aspect of yoga and the concepts of yoga um, because yoga is much more than just, you know, stretching out your hamstrings. But nonetheless, we can really learn a couple of good lessons um, as it applies to our training and our training mindset uh, when we look at this practice of yoga. And, and we're not just looking at the the modern interpretation of yoga where, you know, very like all, you know, majorly all group women classes in the mornings, you know, something to stretch your hamstrings out. We're looking at the the entirety of the practice. And the the point that I wanted to to start off with is really making an argument as to why yoga is applicable for everyone, even if you are one of our pipe hitting, door kicking, weight slamming followers. And for those of you guys who, like myself, sometimes believe that, you know, yoga was a bunch of women wearing Lululemon on Sunday mornings, um, when we look at this concept of fitness, right, and when we at Softly create these programs under this methodology of, of long-term sustainable fitness, we're really ultimately borrowing from yoga. And so, so I'll, I'm going to kick this off with a little entomology lesson right? For when we look at this concept of fitness, right? So the word fit comes from a, you know, earliest usage in the mid 15th century. And all it meant was suited to the circumstances proper, right? And the ness is a, you know, a word forming element denoting action quality or state attached to an adjective. So the adjective is fit, fitness, and you put the two of them together and you have the state or quality of being suitable, Right? Are the actions, therefore, that I take in order to be physically suitable for my environment? Um, and when you look at fitness as a concept, 
we're talking about the coalescing of a lot of different things, right? So when we talk about fitness, we argue that fitness is not just what you do in the gym. It's everything that you do all the time. It's a it's a concept that governs basically every decision that you make, whether you want to look at it that way or not. You know, what time do you go to sleep? What do I eat for my meals? The people that I associate with and the time spent doing the activities that I do all coalesces around this concept of fitness. And much like me thinking that yoga was just about stretching out your hamstrings and, you know, recovering from a hard workout, I'm, I mean, that is thinking that fitness is, that's like thinking that fitness is just what I do in the gym. And it's not. Yoga is fitness in the sense that it governs, it's a series of decisions or it's a series of practices that impacts not just what I do on my mat, if that's where you indeed practice yoga, but it it impacts everything that I do outside of my mat as well. I practice yoga on mountaintops in front of cameras <laughs> or well, in front of waterfalls. I mean, do we not do we not take gym selfies and like we um, have we have a whole crew of people well, I say crew, but really two people who are designed to like make fitness look really sexy for us and their name are Brian and Raven. <laughs> I just had to poke fun at like millennium cult, millennial culture for a second. I'm it's, just, I mean, I'm just but cracking. it's, but it's true though, right? I mean, we, you know, we live in a day and age where we think that a pose represents spirituality. Like the pose doesn't make you spiritual. The way you live your life makes you spiritual. And in the same way that we've gotten wrapped around the axle that, you know, someone who lifts the most amount of weight obviously is the most fit, which is not true. That just means they can lift more weight. So, you know, when we start looking at these types of terms and using them in our day-to-day lives, it's important, and, and I have gotten personally a lot of benefit from, you know, understanding how these concepts coalesce into a lifestyle, right? So for me, and, and kind of exploring this path of yoga, right, when we, took, when we talk about yoga as, you know, going back to the entomology of the word, you know, it comes from the word meaning to yoke or to join or to unite, right? So, and whether that means for you in your own practice, that body and mind, breath and body, mind and breath, you know, you and your surroundings, it doesn't matter. You're talking about a union of things. And when we look even in our own training, whether we're in the weight room or anything else, we're talking about joining, right? If we want our bodies to work right, especially like imagine yourself doing a high intensity interval workout, if your breath isn't timed with the way your body's moving through time and space or your muscles are firing at different times during a lift, you start seeing errors in the way that you are overall approaching or the results that you're going to get from that workout are going to be impacted by that. So ultimately, this concept of union or coalescing of a lot of different variables is what leads to, in yoga, a state of enlightenment whether it's in your gym, it could lead to a PR. Whether it's in your personal life, it could lead to better relationships. The idea is that this process of bringing together multiple elements and, in, and giving you a structure by which to make your decisions and live your life ultimately means you have greater synchronicity, which just means you can do more. So if I got more muscles working for me, then I'm going to be able to lift more. If I got more good relationships in my life, I'm going to be better off and happier as a person, you know? So when we look at the the limbs of yoga, right? You know, so yoga, for those of you guys who don't know, in the ancient sutras has eight limbs, right? So these limbs are much like, 
if you looked at yoga and fitness as parallel concepts, right? The eight limbs of yoga are much like when we talk about training, nutrition, lifestyle, right? So those those concepts in fitness would be like the limbs of fitness, where these are like the limbs of yoga. Um, I want to say like like the pillars, right? Yeah, that's what ex- you mean. Exactly. Right. I'm having so, a hard time with the word limbs. Well, I don't know yeah. Why. Okay. So limbs or pillars. Um, you know, it's all the same thing, right? It's, it's, it's the structure that supports your ability to do anything. Um, so, so yoga has this thing, like they're, they're called yamas, right? So the, the first limb is the yama. So the things that you practice as an individual. So, and, and, you know, this is where we start digressing or not, we don't have to digress right now, but I know we, we talked about a little bit pre-show, but one of the yamas of yoga is ahimsa or nonviolence, right? So advocating why yogis or the strict yogis practice a vegetarian diet is because part of their vows and the way they practice their practice uh, in their daily life is through the act of nonviolence. So that translates over into their diet, right? So nonviolence towards living creatures. Didn't you say that word means something else in another language? Well, that was kind of no, contradictory. So it's, it's the, well, it's, it's not a, the contradictory, but in, in Sanskrit, the ahimsa and the ahimsa. So if I, if I really elongated the A, it, it actually means ultraviolet. <laughs> so Ooh, ahimsa, careful there. ahimsa and ahimsa, like, Let's eat mom for dinner, or let's eat mom dinner. <laughs> you know, right? So it's <laughs> the power of commas. Exactly the power of commas, right? So it's it's the same principle, you know. The and from that we know we have truthfulness, non-stealing. I can, you know, we don't have to get into the Sanskrit of all of it, but you know, ultimately, first limb, be a good fucking person. Right. Right. Don't and, inflict harm on others. Exactly. You know, be a fucking good person. And do you and hear that, guys? Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Right. So. Modern translation of the first limb of yoga, Yama, don't be a dick, right? And I think that's something that everyone can really get behind. Um, and and so so the Niyamas has to do more with the the spiritual observances, right? So we are separating the fact that you know there's a there's a physical practice. The well, we'll just talk about one of the limbs. The next limb is the asanas or the postures that everyone's familiar with. But but the Niyamas are you know this this spiritual realm that we practice in because you know yoga takes place not just in the body but also in the mind as well you know and and this is where this is where if we wanted to equate it to fitness you know fitness doesn't start just fitness isn't just the bar that i'm picking up that has a bunch of weight on it the mindset that i use when i walk into the gym is also fitness you know the, the training mindset that everyone hashtags and posts about on social media that is much like kind of like the second limb of yoga, right? So so you have the practice itself and then you have the mindset behind the practice as well. Um, and then you have, so the, the third one, the asanas, and then the fourth one, pranayamas, are, are the, the breath and the postures that everyone is familiar with, that you guys do when you register at your 8 a.m. yoga classes and the teacher, you know, turns up the heat to 900 degrees in the room. Um, and you pair breathing with movement, right? So the asanas are meant to, you know, physically discipline and, you know, hone the body to focus on something, right? So like arguably, it's like with anyone who's ever tried to advocate for meditation, you know, the first thing, the first complaint that everyone has when they start meditating is that they have a hard time focusing. You have to give yourself 
something to focus on. I feel like the best way I heard that described was the asanas prepare. You're preparing the body and the mind for meditation, mm-hmm. like through movement. Absolutely. I loved that description someone and made. And, you know, and you, when we talk about, you know, not to not to deviate too much, but when we talk about the idea of a flow state, which we've we've mentioned on a couple of podcasts before, but, you know, when you look at this idea of a flow state in high-performing athletes, ultimately what you're looking at is the is the pinnacle of so many factors coalescing to a single point that allows for this performance that's unrivaled, right? So, you know, you have the perfect asana, you have the perfect pranayama, you have the the perfect mindset and self-discipline, getting yourself into the door, doing all these things at one time. And if you can, if you can do this, you know, this is what brings about higher performing individuals. When you, when you get everything to work together, um, and, you know, and even in, in our recovery protocols, for many of people following our programming, one of the things that you've noticed is that there is a breathing cadence and there is a flow work that goes along with each of the individual re- recovery protocols for all of the workouts that we publish. And the reason for that is that, you know, on a physiological level, this practice of asana and pranayama, it, it brings about a you know, arguably a greater parasympathetic response than a sympathetic response. There are pranayama techniques that do bring about a sympathetic or have a sympathetic tone to them. Um, But ultimately, what we're trying to do, you know, with this practice, you know, with these recovery protocols is, you know, kick the body into regeneration mode, which is kind of the other theme of this podcast is, is ultimately using yoga as a tool to regenerate and to recover to the best of your ability in order to kind of bring you back into that cycle. And if you notice, even, even within the concept of Buddhism, even within the concept of weightlifting, everything is cyclical, right? We talk about weightlifting cycles. We talk about the cycle of life and death, like these, you know, this practice of, you know, execution, regeneration, recovery, back into execution again. So when you look at your training you know, and you look at this process of regeneration, understand that this is cyclical in nature. It's always going to come back around. And if you don't, if you ignore regeneration, you're going to break that cycle. And it's, I mean, essentially it's like a wheel that gets broken. It doesn't spin anymore. So this is a, this is a critical part of your practice. So, man, I've been talking for a long time. George, you want to, you look like you're looking at your own camera. You want to say something. Yeah, no, no, I'm just letting you go, man, just because of the fact that I really like where we're going with this whole yoga and regeneration aspect. Um, I've posted a few times about regeneration phases, cycles, programs, um, and I've talked about it a lot, why it's just one of those things that I really truly believe that makes or breaks your um, training life cycle. If we keep talking about like cyclic type stuff, that is that is definitely one thing that I look at in terms of like, okay, cool, how do we keep moving forward without truly breaking down? And it is this regeneration style or program or however you want to think about it. We can call it a cycle. And a really good thing that she just brought out there was talking about the foundations, the pillars, or even the structure of yoga and how they go ahead and work towards everything. And it's kind of one of those things where we bring it all full circle. And this kind of goes into the next thing before I even really jump into my piece of talking about the way I look at regeneration and how do we know when is it right to regenerate and what do we look at in the pillars or the the foundation of the structures in regeneration cycle or programming? Because again, 
Yes, do we have regeneration programs or cycles in our stuff? Yes, we have that. Is there gonna be one specifically coming out here down the road? Yes, there is. Um, but it's good now having you go through your yoga stuff and having that because now we can pair it together and really have this mind-body connection that really helps the individual after training for either you know, 16 to 20 weeks on or who's trained for a little bit longer than that, they should always jump onto a regeneration program even if it's two to four weeks. I always say four weeks is actually a really good one. But the thing that I wanna bring into here we're talking about, we're talking about you know movement, right? And the next thing we, we wanna look at is gonna be like nutrition, right? Like from there, we wanna go into this idea of an anti-inflammatory diet, and Brooke has talked about it plenty of times, and you actually helped me, Brooke, out with mine after my 100-mile race when I went through a regeneration phase. I was like, hey, what do I need to do for the next however many weeks to help reset myself? Um, and I did, you know, and that's kinda where I wanna kinda get into the idea of like, Brooke, when you go ahead and look at something like this and say we do have a regeneration program that I, we developed for, for the Softlead app and it's a four-week program, you know, what do we look at in pairing now? Is now that going into a four-week anti-inflammatory aspect of just kind of changing that cycle? Because again, again, diets are really not a thing that we want to look at. We want to look at how do we eat at specific times of our life. Right, exactly. As a whole. Like how are you choosing to nourish yourself in this period of your life? And it's called the anti-inflammatory diet, but really it's not a diet. It's an eating pattern that you should be eating most of the time. And it's what I, pro I mean, I program the entire Softly Nutrition. I'm a one woman show. And I keep in mind all of this when I've created the program, because I believe that even in certain periods of your life, there are certain things that you should adhere to most of the time. And so this idea of this anti-inflammatory eating pattern really has to do with just supporting the body's natural processes and not causing inflammation through the things you're choosing to consume and put in your body in that way. One of the first things uh, when it comes to eating um, for an anti-inflammatory kind of pattern is limiting your alcohol and caffeine, which is huge for people because we use both of those things as a crutch. We use alcohol to depress and relax. We use caffeine to get us up and going. So you need to be really mindful of what, you know, you're choosing to use and be aware that both of those things are considered substances. Mm -hmm. Caffeine is considered like a substance, um, yeah, just like a, just like a drug would be. And so you need to limit those things or you're going to call, you can cause inflammation to the system essentially. Absolutely. And even, so it's funny on a, on a you know on a physiological level when you look at you know if there was if there was one muscle that we work in yoga more than any other muscle it's the diaphragm it's your main muscle for breathing so the the limb of yoga pranayama is essentially training the diaphragm or the diaphragm's trained ability in order to regulate breath and oxygen which ultimately regulates your muscles and for those of you guys, just to make this all make sense to you, if you looked at your body and an anatomical structure of your body, you'd notice that the stomach sits underneath the diaphragm. So if, if the diaphragm has to move up and down as in order to allow you to take deep breaths, if you have a full inflamed stomach, you are going to have a hard time taking a deep breath. So to keep yourself in a a state that allows you to continuously move well to practice pranayama and to practice asana, your postures, being anti-inflammatory with your diet is probably a good idea, right? Because you're going to, you're going to know, like it's, 
it's the old saying, you know, it's why it's hard. It's why everyone unbuckles their belt after Thanksgiving dinner when they're sitting at the table if they want to take a deep breath. You shouldn't have gorged yourself to that <laughs> level, but okay. Well, I mean, but it's but it's true. I mean, but that's that's ultimately what we're combating. So when we, you know, real quick though, real quick, real quick, say I if you have done that multiple times. You just oh, wear stretchy pants, guys. I, I Amateurs. <laughs> Amateurs. Don't get wrong. And that's wh- that's why. Hey, look, listen. That's why this is a daily practice, and you never actually achieve. Like, <laughs> you work at it all the time. <laughs> it's never. But that's, there's a never-ending destination. That's You're always a, That's it. another <laughs> part of this anti-inflammatory approach and eating patterns is making sure that you have you're around your personal ideal weight and and there are formulas to calculate what that looks like but honestly they're all bullshit because they don't take into account when you're active and muscle mass you have but you should know the comfortable ideal weight you have where you feel comfortable where are you able to have the most energy be the most active do the things you want to do um so going to a much above or below can really affect inflammatory markers, especially when we have excess adipose tissue or fat, it's going to increase those inflammatory markers. And that's just never good. And if that's long term, you're going to see all kinds of other problems associated with that high level of inflammation. So that's, that's another big one. Um, And you touched on this a little, Chris, is that eating lots of plants, Mm-hmm. eat lots of plants you eat can vegetables. absolutely have meats and fish and all that good stuff especially if you want to have a high protein eating pattern which a lot of athletes do uh, and as a way of life it increases your thermogenic effects of food it keeps you full there's a lot of good things associated with protein um, but you should be eating a lot of plants and and that should be real fruits and vegetables preferably not a box or a bag the old B word. It's called balance. Ooh. Practice it. And that's what you do in asanas. You balance, right? So it's like it's here's a here's a physical practice that's designed for the ultimate goal of really all fitness. And fitness is balance, really, like when you when you really think about it. Um so if we if we moved along on the you know the other four limbs that we haven't talked about yet, the next two really deal with something. The next two are basically why everyone works out in a gym. So Pratyahara and Dharyana are two other limbs of yoga that basically deal with setting up an environment that allows you to draw your attention away from all the external stuff and then towards something that's internal. So ultimately what you're trying to do is to increase focus because we've, we've, you know, it's the same reason why you put your headphones on when you work out or you have your, you know, Brooke's playlist that she listens to when she's working out with jams from the 80s. Look. Yo, don't, hey, don't, <laughs> 80s hey, don't hit on her. She's doing our- 80s hip hop banded clamshells. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't knock it till you try it, man. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, Chris, you know what, bro? You don't, don't knock I'm just, the hey, different that's, types. So, all the, yeah, and like I said, you know, what we, you know, when in the earlier practices when we talked about being like this yogi aesthetic, you know, this aesthetic practice out in the woods, you know, very, very minimalistic, you know, that that's kind of where a lot of this comes from, you know, is you're ultimately trying to withdraw other sensory, you know, distractions from your practice because, you know, people realize that, you know, if you ever try to go out and do something and really try to make all these factors, you know, mind, body coalescing, like you need a surrounding that allows you to be able to do that, right? And, and I think the ultimate goal, obviously, once you once you transcend through the eighth limb of yoga, you know, you can you can 
basically bring that with you and do that anywhere. But for a lot of us, I mean, that's why yoga studios, when you walk in, it's generally empty. It's like a wooden floor, you know, it's an empty room. It's a, it's very simply decorated, you know, and, and ultimately what you're trying to build is this practice of focus. So it's like, you know, when you set up a space for yourself to do your fitness, if you want to look at your fitness as just your gym practice, you have your gym space, you have your gym music, and you can take that even farther and you can say, you know, I have my people that hold me accountable for my fitness, right? So that they're part of your surrounding environment as well. Part of these things that have to kind of coalesce and come together in order for you to, you know, practice this thing we call yoga. And even for, you know, your your regeneration phases, right? Like, I mean, if you really want to kind of get yourself into a regeneration mode, there is an environment that you set up that's you know, there. I believe, you know, just as much as I think as there's an anti-inflammatory diet, there's an anti-inflammatory environment as well. Well, that's actually part <laughs> of the anti-inflammatory diet. I hate that word diet. So I'm going to call it something else. Anti-inflammatory eating pattern is limiting your environment, environmental exposures. So, um, and we're going to have a food scientist on here to talk about this. And I have a feeling she's would probably disagree with a lot of what's at, but about to come out of my mouth. But you can limit your exposures in the environment and chemicals through food by doing things like eating organic food. Um, for me, I just think if it doesn't have a peel or a rind, I can't peel that layer off. I'll spend the money like things like leafy greens on organic. But that's a personal choice, Right. We're going to have a food scientist on to tell us where the science currently stands. Um, it's also a big part of optimizing, like optimizing your GI health and ecology, which a lot of things play a factor in that, right? It's not just eating fermented foods and prebiotics. It's managing your stress because we now know about this gut brain axis. So it's a she, lot more about your environment than you think. Yeah. And then she, I'm glad she, she brought up the S word because the S word is, is pretty crucial when it comes to regeneration and that is stress and stress management. So, and, and we, and we can, you know, in this parallel that we're drawing between the eight limbs of yoga and the regeneration phases that we go through in training, that's a really good point that when you guys enter into these regeneration phases that you, you do so in an environment that is conducive to regeneration, because, you know, I think that is, you know, it, it's it's one of these. I, I, I the thing that comes to mind is that you know these these tips that people hand out when it comes to like achieving like your goals, like put your gym shoes by your bed. You know, take your clothes out and fold them the night before. That would stress me out to be like staring at my workout clothes. Well, I, I think what they're because ultimately what they're getting at is this human tendency to really because if there's one thing that humans do as by virtue of the fact that we're human is that we're forced to adapt to our environment. Like we have this innate ability that if, if we go into an environment, you know, even the survival of the fittest, and you talk about, you know, those original entomological definitions of the word fitness means we are able to, we are best suited for our environment. So if we change our environment, then ultimately we're going to be forced to change into that condition to adapt to that environment or not. And therefore we don't survive. So, so setting up an environment for regeneration is crucial um, to being successful at your ability to regenerate, right? I mean, if like there, there's an old saying, you know, I, I, I have a hard time sometimes falling asleep in a room that's messy. Uh, yeah, I can really. So to it's that. like if you if you have if your room is messy, at least for me personally, like if my room is messy, if there's clothes all over the floor, you know, if things aren't like generally put, I mean, I don't need like spotless, but like if it looks like a bomb went off, like if I have to shove clothes off of my bed to get into my bed to sleep, 
chances are I'm not going to get a very good night's sleep, which is crucial to my regeneration. So in my environment that I'm setting up that is going to facilitate this focus, I need to create an environment for myself that actually facilitates that focus. Because a lot of times people try to, you know, this, this idea of, you know, even when we look at our modern interpretation of fitness and this rewards-based culture that we live in, a lot of times people go down the road of rewarding their hard effort in the gym with something that's the opposite of the regeneration effect that you're trying to go for in order to gain your positive stress adaptation. Okay, here's the thing, though, and you guys tell me if you think otherwise we get way too hung up on rewarding ourselves. Like we're, you're not a fucking dog. Oh, absolutely. Don't reward yourself with a treat absolutely. every time you do something that should be a part of your habits anyway. Well, but and yet that's like just, that problem, the problem I see with that is just a, is a positive reinforcement that has been taught to them from growing up is just completely different. And like you, you do something great, what ends up happening? Go, oh, let's go get McDonald's. Let's go get pizza. Let's go get all this other things. That's a positive reinforcement to, let's say 90% of American of American heritage, I guess you can say, or however you want to think about that. Like it's, it's, it's a legit thing, right? Like I do it sometimes too, right? I get done with it. And you, I mean, we've all done it. Like we literally have all done it, but it's kind of one of those things going back to the foundations of yoga and treating your body with the highest amount of like, like the highest amount of recovery generation and treating it up to the highest level that you possibly can. Well then eating a donut after you've done something that re- that you want to reward yourself is just going ahead and harming yourself, right? right. So yeah, well, and I mean, I totally believe in finding balance and enjoying life and things you love. I just think that you're creating this weird cycle. If it's like, oh, I went and I did this thing that's good for me, so now because I did that, <laughs> it's time to go do this thing that's not good for me. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not really how balance works. Well, and th- you're right, and that, but it also touches on, and we've we've talked about this on multiple podcasts, is that you know, we have this unhealthy relationship with food as a reward, right? Food is food. Food is calories. It's calories. Food is that, fuel. Yeah, food is fuel. Like calories in, calories out. I mean, it's critical to our regeneration phase, but when we treat it like a dog treat, like, you know, you give to your dog for giving you a high five, like you are starting a new cycle. And, and that's the thing. Like that is how, like, even when you look at this you know, term cycle that we use to describe, you know, our training, whether we go, you know, micro cycle, macro cycle, whatever, you know, even this cycle of behavior that generates this, you know, I do something hard and therefore I get a reward, therefore I do something hard and therefore I get a reward. Like that is a cyclic pattern that you will get stuck in, in your entire life. And, and ultimately, you know, these patterns, you know, we, it's, it's always funny to me how, you know, the ancients have kind of been saying the same thing for thousands of years. We came up with new terms for it, you know, but the idea of, you know, even the idea of karma, you know, karma is one of these, one of those same cyclic patterns that people talk about. And I like, so a lot of people misinterpret the word karma to think that, you know, it's like this, you know, there, there's a, there's a different word in Sanskrit for the effects of your actions. That is not the word karma. Vipakta, I believe it is. I, I have it written down in my notes. But anyways, the karma, ultimately what it talks about is this idea that we project out our cycles and therefore manifest the realities that, you know, we think about all the time. So when you... Like the energy, to me, it's like the exactly. energy you put out there absolutely comes exactly, back to exactly. you. Exactly. And, and, and the reason why it comes back to you is because you put it out there in the first place. But it starts with you. You know, and it's not it's not an action. It's it's a manifestation, right? And there's and there's a difference behind that. And and through the practice of yoga, 
ultimately what you're trying to do is you're ultimately trying to change your manifestation. You're changing the energy that you're putting out into the universe and therefore receiving back something different from that manifestation. And, and, and through this eight limb practice, you know, through this process of regeneration, you are ultimately getting back the thing that you put out there in the first place. You know, so if you want to, we, and we say this all the time, probably on literally 75% of our podcasts is that this idea that you do not get bigger, stronger, faster when you work out, you get bigger, stronger, faster when you recover from working out. So, so that, that training energy that you put out there through the only way to get that benefit is through this process of regeneration. If you Mm -hmm. mess that process up, you will not get any good benefits from your training. So guess what else also causes inflammation and increases inflammatory markers? Overtraining. Overtraining. Exactly. So if you rely so much on the training and not enough on the regeneration, you ruin like you break that cycle. You know, if you if you and that's and that is the concept of balance. So yeah, so and and that's go ahead, George. George is doing like some I was like, yogi I can't, stretch I, thing. I can't mid. tell I can't tell if George is like antsy on the camera here or if he's like wanting to say something. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, and 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 through all of that, you know, bringing us to kind of these the the seventh and eighth limbs, right? The seventh limb, Dhyana, really deals with like meditation and, and contemplation. So, and and in the same way that the practice of yoga, even if you wanted to talk about the yoga classes that you attend, they're they're basically a moving meditation, and even to the point where I would make the argument that even my even if I'm doing freight train, you know, twelve tack one or Goku or Milo, I'm doing a meditation. When I train, I'm meditating, you know, because meditation as a concept is not just, you know, sitting on a pillow, not moving. There's many different types of meditation. Ultimately, meditation is, is, is the focusing of all these things coalescing at one point, whether I'm in the right environment, I'm on my mat, I'm on my pillow, I'm in the weight room, I'm practicing my posture. I'm practicing my breathing. I've lived the lifestyle up to this point that has allowed me to maximize my training potential. And, and ultimately what I'm doing is I am meditating, right? So, so for those of you who think that meditation is just this, you know, I'm sitting on a pillow static, you know, listening to my headspace or whatever, that's definitely a form of meditation. And in our day and age, you know, because of how high paced and how high stressed and how, you know, constantly engaged we're forced to be with everything in our surrounding environment, whether that's social media, text message, emails all the time, we we force that as the main method of meditation because we literally have to stop moving because we're moving all the time. But understand can't, question. Can't meditation also be getting into this flow state absolutely like you know if whether it's engaging in i don't know things like art or macrame or you know doing something with your hands getting into a flow state 100 that that is that is what this is right i mean like that is essentially the flow state right so we talk about this this synchronicity of body and mind that comes together um, for all these reasons that we've talked about up to this point, right? That is that is the goal. That is positive training. Like if you don't want to waste your time training, make sure you're in that state when you train, right? Like because a lot of people walk into the gym with a lot of other weight other than the weight that they put on the barbell that they're projecting out onto their training time that they have, right? So 
you know, ultimately the idea and even something that we've kind of professed in as a, as a really deep way of looking at all this stuff is that you're always training. You're never not training. You're sometimes weight training. You're sometimes not weight training. Like even your regeneration practices, because a lot of times we get the, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the complaint of, you know, being in a regeneration cycle and people feeling like, oh, I didn't do enough work. It's because no, you're not sweating or, you know, you're not crushing weight, but that's still not necessarily not working, right? So you have to, you have to readjust the way you're looking at this idea of training. And when we talk about, you know, being a lifelong trainer or a lifelong practitioner of what we call fitness, you know, ultimately we're talking about all these variables continuously coalescing at all times in your life. You set up your life the way you want to. You have the distractions in your life that will pull you towards or away from something else. Um, and ultimately, you know, to, to have the, the most long and fruitful practice is your, your life is set up to allow you to continuously practice, you know? So whether that's, whether that's removing toxic people from your life, if you have, you know, those types of relationships that you need to move away from, whether that's, you know, cleaning up your diet. So, you know, you feel better all like you're able to do more. You have more energy all the time to do more things or to do less things, right? You're, you're setting up your life in a way that makes every moment a moving meditation, or did I completely lose everyone with that little rant? No, <laughs> I mean, no, makes sense. So this is going to go into the idea of like one, and we've been throwing the word regeneration around, right? Like crazy. And regeneration is just going to look to help the system recover from whatever it's done for however many weeks for training, right? Or you need a mental regeneration phase because you've done A, B, C, D, E, F, G in school and you're doing these types of things. So it's kind of the way you want to approach it. Understand this regeneration is an idea of how to recover from a prolonged period of a specific stress that you've increase in your life throughout however long. So, and, and it kind of brings me to this, and this is two things. When I go ahead and look at a regeneration phase or cycle, or whenever I want to put someone through a pattern of regeneration, um, I look at it in the idea of we need relaxation and stimulation, right? So those are those two things there. And Chris hit it very well in the head, right? When we talk about people who go into deload weeks or regeneration cycles, they look at it and they're like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not sweating today. I did not do enough. And, and in realistically, the, the, it comes down to two things, right? When I look at the, the regeneration, it looks like I need relaxation and I need stimulation. If you got two of those things during that training session, then we did something correct, right? So when we go ahead and break it down and like, how do we add a regeneration phase to our life? It's very simple and super easy, right? It's called, I look at it first as one, reconditioning the brain, right? Chris, you're talking about that like crazy. Seconds, reconditioning the body. And by reconditioning the body and the brain, you're getting yourself back to your homeostasis or that balance that you were at before getting into whatever training program or whatever thing that was going on like crazy. And those are one of those things where now you can start implementing yoga. You can start implementing meditation. You can start implementing walks. You can do anything, right? Because we're conditioning it. But it goes a little deeper than that. And you mentioned it too as well, Chris, was stress management, right? And it comes down to program management or how do we set up our days to go ahead and give us the best outcome possible to go ahead and be this high performer that we want to be, right? right? And the way I look at that is like, cool, so I want to go ahead and condition the brain, the body. I want to make sure my program is, is managed the proper way. And a lot of people end up getting that completely wrong due to the fact that everyone thinks that, oh, well, 
I just did something super hard and how do I go ahead and focus on recovery? Let me just go ahead and take one day off and I'm recovered. Well, realistically, no, that doesn't work that way. You know, you, you got to understand that we have to go ahead and focus on a few things when it looks to a regeneration phase or recovery yeah, phase. Absolutely. As a whole. And when we're not like, like I said, and, and to, to clarify, you know, we're not ever advocating and, and even within our programming, regeneration does not mean doing nothing. Doing nothing is doing nothing. Like even if you know, you, like we don't even, there are no days where we say do nothing. Like we say do something all the time. What we're talking about is managing stressors across the board to make sure that we're not overstressing one system over another. So from a training perspective, this concept of active recovery, it's not, it's not just lay around, sit on your couch. Like that's, that's not recovery, you know, like that's just, that's just laying around sitting on your couch. Now that's not to say that, you know, you can't sit on your couch and watch fucking Netflix if you want to. And you know, like that, that's, that's an important part of your life. But ultimately when it comes down to training, recovery and regeneration are not synonyms for nothing. So to kind of like level the playing field, you know, exactly. That's what, that's what we're ultimately talking about. Well, and the foundation, I look at regeneration, right? When we look at a regeneration session, let's go ahead and talk about that, right? When we go ahead and look at a regeneration session, this can be for anybody who's looking to just, you know, if they feel like complete crap from the past few days and they don't want to train today because they feel like they are going to either, they're getting sick or a couple of things happen, we can go ahead and look at the pillar foundations, however you want to call it. But the first thing that you want to focus on is recovery breathing. And, and, and the reason for that, and Chris, you've hit it on the head, this whole podcast, an idea of what breathing does for us, right? It helps automatically get us into a parasympathetic state with a certain type of breathing pattern and it can also alter your state and get you into a flow state Correct. another thing in that realm is what's up bud no i said i said you're you're right you're right oh, okay i was like what's up um but going into the next the next foundation would be looking at how are we training with our aerobic system why is that because again understand that the aerobic system you know your body relies on 99.9 percent of that throughout your whole life right it doesn't matter. It's responsible for creating energy. If your body is looking to, you know, improve in strength, power, endurance, you name it. It is a fundamental to everything, and it's what controls the set, the, the, you know, the body. The second thing is okay, cool. We still need some kind of strength stimulus inside there to go ahead and help us with what? One, reactivating the nervous system to go ahead and help with getting blood flow and getting the muscle fibers to follow, right? Again, and during, and again, the volume there doesn't need to be high. The volume needs to be relatively low, but enough for us to just get some kind of stimulus out of it. If that means you are doing body weight lunges and banded good mornings and maybe some push-ups and maybe some sit-ups, that's fine and a very low effort, right? When we talk about aerobic training, we look at that realm. And then we can go in now, throw in all our movement work and everything that Chris has talked about, an idea of recovery and the cool down in which we see in our programming, right? It's kind of one of those things where a lot of people miss the mark and they're like, oh wow, what a deload, a regeneration? Like that sounds dumb. I don't need that. And all of a sudden Arrest people come and <laughs> exactly. Then all of a sudden people go ahead and take a regeneration phase or a deload cycle. And all of a sudden now they come back the next the next two or three weeks after that phase or those or the or the weeks that they're on. They they lowered volume by fifty percent and intensity by fifty percent and started focusing on breathing better and all these other things. All of a sudden they come back and start PRing everything across the board. They're sleeping better, they've lost weight. They, I mean, we can go ahead and throw it all out there, you know what I'm saying? Like it, there's a reason for it and there's a reason why, you know, it's a big, big um, 
it's a big, big part of people's lives in the realm of, of understanding what we're talking about here, especially that whole idea of the yoga foundations or the pillars of the structure that we want to call it as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's, like I said, that's the, so that's the all our, that's the seventh limb. There is an eighth limb and the eighth limb is kind of an interesting concept and and what the eighth limb of yoga or samadhi ultimately gets at is this idea of transcendence um you know and and it it's it's hard to describe with words but if i had to take a crack at it you know what these what this what this process what this practice ultimately allows you to do is to transcend the idea of really like the possible right and 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 you you recognize you're this profound connection to the ultimate possibility whether it's a profound connection to the divine a pro, you know the interconnectedness with all living things like that's that's more on the the spiritual side of yoga but the idea of transcendence as a result of regeneration is ultimately what we're trying to get at through our training, right? So we have this, we have these goals that we set for ourselves, you know, and and usually that's why we call these things personal records. It's because it's never been done before. So we had to we had to transcend what we thought was possible with our own limitations, with our own bodies, to do something that we never dreamed was ever possible. You know, and 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 we as a as a people, as a culture, you know, we place a lot of limitations on ourselves. You know, like, oh, you'll never be able to do that. Or you look at something and you're like, oh, there's no way I'll ever be able to do that. You know, and 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 your 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 discount, it's like it's like you you looked at like the possibility and you just immediately discarded it, which just kind of ruins the rest of the practice. Now, I'm not here to say that, you know, if you dream really big you're going to, you know, all your dreams will come true. Like I'm I'm a pragmatist in that regard. Like that's just that's just not the case. But what I would argue is that what we're advocating for for our training in particular, whether that be yoga, whether that be, you know, strength training or or whatever, you know, what we're adv- because we're advocating for longevity as our goal, we're absolutely making the argument that longevity in a in a good practice is possible for anybody. This is not like like these concepts are not exclusive to one group of people. I mean, I'm me personally because you know I'm not four foot six or I'm not you know seven foot two. I'm not going to be an Olympic gymnast or I'm not going to play as a member of the NBA. But I absolutely have it within my capability to be a happier, healthier individual. Right. Like 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 that that is not beyond the realm of capability, nor do I believe it is beyond the realm of anyone's capability, so long as you, you know, kind of align what we you know, align these eight limbs in the proper order for yourself, because they're gonna look different for everyone. But we're saying align these limbs in an order that allows you to live that better version of your own life, to to transcend your normal state into a state of just betterness, you know, or, or Patanjali uses the word ecstasy um, to, to describe this state of being. And, and ultimately, that's, that's why it's hard to describe in words, because ultimately that looks different for everybody, you know. And, 
And what we want to see from everyone is that, you know, we want to see people live happier, healthier lives. That That is the ultimate goal of fitness, right? Because that that is that is why people, you know, you post on Instagram, you know, your pictures, or even like, even when, you know, the, you know, we kind of make fun of these people sometimes, but nonetheless, it's very true when people like hand you pictures of someone else, be like, hey, make me look like that person. It's like, they know, it's like they automatically want to like, tra- you can't transcend into somebody else. You can transcend into a better state of being. And, and that's ultimately kind of what this practice gets at. So yeah, whether that's, I just noticed you have a sticker on your water bottle that says peace, love, Asheville. That's the most oh, yeah. yoga center thing I've ever <laughs> well, seen. I am, so I am actually doing my yoga teacher training at the Asheville Yoga Center in Asheville, North Carolina, which is which is great. I mean, even though I was, <laughs> I'm most definitely the only man in my entire class. That surprises me. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't surprise. Like the irony about all that is how yoga as a, as a spiritual practice, you know, be, you know, starting in India was, was exclusive to males. You know, when you I mean, granted, you know, females have come a long way in the last <laughs> couple thousand of years, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but, but it used to be like you weren't, you, not everyone was even allowed to practice yoga. You know, and, and especially like within the caste system in India, like like this was a very exclusive thing. And and through the history, you know, as it was brought across the ocean to America, it is kind of blossomed and, and really been made accessible to everybody. Um, but these were very like private sex. Like these, this was not like you couldn't just walk into any yoga school and be like, hey, guys, I'm here, especially if you're a woman. Um, but now, you know, when you fast forward several thousand years into the present day, um, it's like, that's all there is like, and, and that I, I feel like, and if anything, part of this podcast, you know, what part of my goals for this podcast was to, to try to overcome that stereotype and be like, look guys, like even, even guys from, you know, the culture that I come from of, you know, you know, women weren't even allowed in special forces back when I joined, you know? So like. This is this is not a gender thing. This is not a gender practice. Even though in the modern interpretation, yes, predominantly speaking, when you walk into a yoga class, most practitioners of yoga are women. Um, I I love that the studio I go to is not like that. I think it's actually pretty even. There have been good. more males at a class than females. I mean, and and that's and that's how it should be. I think like when you just look at the stereotype of yoga in general, it's like. It's just something that that women do. It's not something that like men go into the weight room and train. Women, men, you should do more of it. Women, you need to go into the weight room more. It's let's right. Break, I mean, like, break let, these let's, gender let's stereotypes. Break these gender stereotypes and bring the women into the weight room, and the men into the yoga studio. When I was in college, we really tried to do this. We would have women. We would have women on weights, and we would take over the weight room, and then we would have broga. Broga. That is some some positive affirmative action being taken. Thank you. I thought we did a really good job. I mean, that's really some positive, positive change there for sure. Yes. I I don't know. Like I said, I'm under firm belief that, you know, just like. (laughs) It's funny. You're you're funny you bring this up, Chris. Yeah. Training, training is gender neutral. <laughs> There's yeah. no well, it's funny you bring this up too is because like I literally just had a DQ question in one of my sociology classes that literally talked about that for the United States. It was like, 
do you think there's a positive or negative effects with affirmative action going on in the United States? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, we it's don't. Cool I gotta love college and like how they just try to. That's they a, purposely try to get you to think and stir the pot. Got a little well, higher ed. I mean, but to, you know, just like there shouldn't be an emotional connection to food, I don't think there should be a gender connection to training. Training exactly. is training. No, but I mean, know? I certainly think there's things that are. Uh, like I read somewhere, I have no idea if this is true. I, I read it in a textbook, but you know who knows. Um, that women have like half of the upper body strength or two thirds or something less upper body, half lower body, like muscular wise, hormonal wise, women are at a disadvantage to gain muscle compared to males. Yes. But that doesn't mean that you still can't benefit from it and do it. That's true. You guys are just, I mean, yes, biologically you are designed to bear children. Got it. That's just, (laughs) she's, she's, those eyes. I'm like, but it's true. (sighs) That's just how you, I mean, all right, we don't have to go down that road. Yeah, I don't think you guys want, I think, I don't think you guys want to go down that road with me. So, oh my goodness. So this is, this is it right here. Chris is discriminating against you for talking I'm about this discri- stuff. No, I'm not discriminating. I'm advocating for the opposite of discrimination. <laughs> I'm advocating for the equal I'm opportunity and, and how everyone should have access to these tools regardless of your gender, regardless of stereotypes. Ultimately... I feel like I have to bring this up. This this way derailed. <laughs> That's why I'm staring at you, waiting for you to bring it all back. All right, all right, I'm guys. Trying, to bring I, I'm this, to bring to bring this all back to a nice, wonderful, gender-neutral conclusion. <laughs> um, what we're again, what we're advocating for when we when we look at our training, when we look at soft lead programming, is regeneration is a critical component of your training in general, and. And yoga, even as a practice, if you just looked at it as a practice of stretching your hamstrings, even though it's more than that, is an absolutely beneficial practice to facilitating regeneration. Whether, you know, because not only does it use the asana postures to kind of elongate the muscles, to promote blood flow, you know, when you do it in a heated room, you know, there's benefits, there's, you know, anti-inflammatory benefits to doing that as well. Um ultimately guys what we're advocating for is you guys developing a practice in your life that facilitates the regeneration process because the regeneration process is what allows you to reap the benefits of all of your training and and if we if we didn't paint the picture well enough you know we are advocating and absolutely standing by the fact that training is not just something that you do in the gym it is something that you do every moment of every day whether that's the food that you put in your mouth the time that you go to bed even even down to you know the way you interact with other people because you know those those relationships those healthy relationships in your life have measurable physiological effects on your body you know, and, and ultimately what we're getting after when it comes to training is managing this stress regeneration cycle that everyone is in just due to the fact that you're simply human. So if you if you want to run a you know a you know an ultra marathon or you want to snatch three hundred pounds, it doesn't matter. Yes, your training plans will look different, obviously, because your goals are different, but the need for regeneration is the same across the board. Doesn't matter what type of athlete doesn't matter percent. what type of athlete you are, doesn't matter even if even if you're not an athlete, even if you're just a a regular person who gets up and you know goes to work at Dunder Mifflin every day with Michael Scott as your boss. 
<laughs> you're an athlete for life, Chris. You, you, everyone you're an athlete of life. Exactly. You are, you are one of those hashtag life athletes. So, but nonetheless, it still applies to you as well. So there you go. Yeah. Did I bring it all back? Boom. Brought it back. You brought, it all, was actually brought it all back. Pretty all good, right, Chris. guys. So with that, we hope you guys got a lot out of this podcast today. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So, you know, in, in, in true, in true yoga fashion, um, you know, we're, we're not going to end this with a, with a namaste or a group chant that you guys might all <laughs> no group om. no group om. <laughs> you guys can say that to yourselves, but to, uh, to conclude, you know, I will, I will never forget George <laughs> doing that. At the, we were in the basement of American Underground, and he was Absolutely. like, "That's that will that, that will become a staple, guys." All right, so we hope you guys have a uh, a blessed week. Stay happy, stay healthy, and namaste, motherfuckers.